Welcome to the Next Brave Thing podcast. My name is Ella Hooper, and I believe that breakthrough is on the other side of bravery. This podcast features brave stories, emotional health, and creativity to inspire you to take your next brave step. We're, we're, we're hanging out. We're, we're in the same college, which is so crazy. I know. Ella, we're, we're a part of a college. We're a part of a college. When did, did you ever dream that, by the way? No. Uh, yeah. That's a whole that's a whole nother thing. I hated school. Yeah. And the fact that I am an instructor now yes. is is blasphemous. <laughs> it's, both, it's beyond. <laughs> we are both university lecturers. This is wild. What? I'm like, yes. It's, it's it's just crazy. Like when I met you nine, 10 years ago, I never would have been like, oh yeah, yeah. This lady with with two different eye colors who speaks in a, a weird ling- English language uh, yeah. would be my colleague, and we're college professors, yeah. uh, professors. Uh, lecturers. Lecturers. Okay. I'm not. I'm not a professor. I don't have. No, I'm not a professor. Like, okay. uh, so you have to have certain amount of degrees. Yes. Well, I think we're lecturers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess my title is instructor. Oh, maybe I'm an instructor. I should probably check into that. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) But I do find it wild as well because I was not someone to be academic. And then I'm teaching an accredited, I made up an accredited class. It's wild to me. I know. (laughs) What is life? Oh my gosh. What is life? Mm. Well, to everyone who's listening, I'm going to definitely include that. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I went to school with John and I am so excited to have you on my podcast because I not that we, I don't know, I think we would all hang out at Crystals occasionally, yep. like, yep. like you were there and I was there. Um, but we've sort of been in the same room for many years and now we work at the same college, but where are you? You're in Texas, aren't you? Yeah. I live in Austin, Texas. I live completely different state, but we still work together, which is crazy. I know, because part of our school is online. So yes. 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 Well, all of my school is online. Yeah. because Part of a- your school is online. Yes. Cause you work with the tech guys. Yes. 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 That's so true. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. It's so fun to just catch up on a podcast. It's so I know. Great. I know. Yes. Thank God for podcasting, man. It's such a gift. Yeah, totally. So I'm going to dive in and I'd just love for our audience just to hear like your story. Like, I mean, life is wild. It's brought us to crazy places, but um, yeah, share, share a bit about who you are and, and what you do and a bit of your story. My gosh, I happy. I'm happy that you said a bit because I'm like, how deep do you want me to go? Because I I normally do this in a forty. (laughs) I normally do it in like a forty five minute session in a class, you know. Um, but yeah, my name is John or Jonathan Miller. Um, I am married to a beautiful woman named Ecclesia Miller. We're both life coaches. Yeah. Um, I'm a pastor at Bethel Church in Redding, California, which is so crazy to say. Um, like me and Ella said, we we went to the school up there in Redding and got our lives changed and wept mm-hmm. on the floor many a day and mm-hmm. cried and <laughs> 
faced all of our demons and then found out that we have still more after we left school. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> at least I'll speak for me. Um, yeah, we didn't leave perfect. It's no, 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 not even a little bit. Um, yeah, I um, man, my story. I was born in Southern California. Um, I, I man, my story starts a year before, 18 months before I was born. Um, I don't know how, how deep you want to go in the spiritual side, but, um, my mother heard a voice in the mall Wow! and she heard, she heard a voice that said, had a child, have a child. Now that's not super impressive for a 20 something year old woman who already has a kid, but my mother's story is very unique because she died three times having my brother. Wow. Yeah. So she was actually told not to have another kid. By doctors and and her and my her and my dad were told not to have any kids and not to have any more kids because she died and she lost weight and did a bunch of crazy stuff. It was it was not a good situation. But she heard the voice of the Lord and she um decided to listen to that voice more than the doctors. And she got on the same page with my dad, who was kind of a believer, kind of not. I guess at that point he was a believer because he he got kind of converted after my brother, after seeing all the supernatural weird crazy Hogsworth stuff that happened with my mom going through her uh, um, birthing my older brother. Yeah. And, um, and then she decided to, they, they got on the same page, started trying. And 18 months later, here I pop out. And I was born in this university hospital called Loma Linda University. And my dad, he tells me this story all the time. He says, son, there was 20 people in the room when you were born. He wow. said, there were so many people in that room because they thought they were going to see a car crash. They thought you were going to come out with spinal bifida. You were going to come out deformed, jacked up, this, 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 and this. And when they started to see a healthy baby boy pop out from your mom's belly, they all just one by one left the room. So that is uh, kind of a context of me and uh, the beauty of me and the jacked upness of me. Um, People who are in psycho in psychology circles know, you know, a miracle child or a, a, a heavily wanted child, the pressure that's kind of on that child mm-hmm. over time. Um, but yeah, I grew up a pretty healthy life um, for most of it. And then I got diagnosed with an incurable heart disease when I was 14 years old. And uh, I was a really active kid playing basketball, football, all the different things. And then I got told one day, like literally, I was talking to my student today. I was like, I walked into the hospital as a high school athlete. And I walked out of the high school, out of that other um, hospital room, um, not being able to run, wow. not being able to lift over 30 pounds. And at the time I was six foot, 270 pounds. I was big old defensive lineman, offensive lineman. I know that probably means nothing to you, Ella. Sorry. I'm you're learning. I'm you're learning. Yeah, you've been here long enough. You've been long here long enough. enough. You should should definitely pick up on this beautiful thing yeah. called American football. Mm-hmm. But um, I was a big kid, and um, it was kind of crazy to just have your whole life turn on a pin with no conversation or no notice. So, um, yeah, I mean, and then I moved to Las Vegas when I was sixteen. My parents divorced, and uh, my dad went to LA. Mm-hmm. I, me and my mom went to Vegas. Um, my brother went to San Diego for all the SoCal people. You kind of know where that, yeah. where the little, the little triad there. Then later on, my brother came back up to Vegas and I lived in Vegas until about 27. And then 
decided to join this crazy school like um we were talking about with ella and then about seven years after that i met my wife and got married to her or i'm sorry seven probably about four years later i met my wife i got married at 31 years old so it was an absolute gift my god that was the best day of my life yeah getting married yes Yes. oh my god yeah well tell me a little bit because i am a child of divorce tell me what how that impacted you oh my god Ella, how much time do we have? <laughs> it's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I would say, uh, so when my parents divorced, it wasn't a fun divorce, right? And I don't know if there is ever such a thing that is fun, mm. but it was definitely not fun on my end. My parents argued. Um, it felt like I was being pulled apart by two tidal waves. Yeah. And I didn't know where to go or what to do. I ended up going with my mom, but it's a very, very hard decision. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when my brother moved to San Diego, I really didn't know what to do because my brother was kind of like the only person that was like constant in that in their crazy, chaotic, titanic plate shifting moments. Um, Me and my brother would just sit downstairs and while they would argue. Mm and uh so then when i moved with with my mom when me and my mom moved you know as a man my role changed Mm. instantly i moved from being a child to being uh a man Mm -hmm. and being the man of the house and i remember distinctly the first night that we uh that we moved into our new place I, um, we lived in this three bedroom uh, apartment because my mom wanted to make space for my brother in case he moved back. And, um, if I could describe to you guys, it was a two story. So, um, living room, kitchen downstairs, pretty standard stuff. Then you go straight up. First room is my mom's room. And then there's a guest room and then my brother's room. And then my room was at the end of the hall. And I remember thinking to myself, um, we didn't have an alarm system on the house. And I remember thinking to myself that whole night, I didn't sleep. Maybe I slept maybe two hours, 15 year old kid. I remember thinking to myself, if somebody busts through the door, I have to be the first person to get between that person and my mom. Mm. That's wow. just, it's just that simple. It's like, it doesn't matter. I will be the first, I will be the person that's between those two. And my mother's not like a small woman. She's five foot nine. She's mm built <laughs> she was uh she was a high school athlete herself um but yeah like it i went from being the lowest person on the totem pole because i was i was the youngest in my household yeah. to being the protector mm. and i had to carry that mantle of protection and i had to um establish a measure of of that sense for my mom even though she didn't ask for it or didn't even necessarily want it but it was what i felt was responsible yeah um as a man to to stay in that position and plus obviously try to go to high school try to navigate a crazy traumatic weird um disease that you don't even really fully understand um puberty yeah (laughs) all of it yeah all of it um by that time i was introduced to pornography Mm -hmm. alcohol like all the different things so yeah like it just yeah hello this is why i go to therapy right right there 
right there. Yeah. So, I mean, you move up to Reading. It's so interesting because I don't know about you, but before I moved to America, I did not know that there was a even more free way of living. I just felt mm-hmm. like so probably like, I don't know, just so discouraged. And, um, but I heard that there could be another way. Like I heard mm. that there could be another way of existing in the world yeah. where you're not fully tormented or feeling depressed or anxious or completely numbing out on life. So when was like a turning point for you? Oh my gosh. Well, see, like our, our school was so known for, our still is known for the supernatural stuff. Mm-hmm. Miracles, yeah. Uh, all I all I came for was that. Yeah. And then we started talking about hard stuff and my dad and all sorts of stuff. And I was just like, what are we doing? Why like, what does this have to do with? You came for the spiritual side and not for the emotional health side. I had no idea, Ella. I had no idea. And that yeah. whole first year, all I did was just, I did evangelism. Uh-huh. I, I was like, I'm going to be the best revivalist ever in human history. And that was yeah. my goal. And I went there and that's, I did, I mean, I had a social life. I wasn't like a, a maniac, but I definitely, that was my goal. And then I remember uh, in our second year of school, and you you might remember this day, uh, a wonderful man, one of the pastors at our school named Chris Cruz, he decided to play the Brene Brown gift of imperfection in class yes i do remember that day Uh, we might have been sitting there each other because i might have been near crystal that day and i just remember that thing was like a bomb in my heart mind soul spirit everything inside of me on the outside i was looking very calm and normal and kind of like what is this it doesn't have enough jesus in it what is this but she was talking about vulnerability. It was the vulnerability. vulnerability. Yes. Yes. The the amazing TED Talk. If you haven't listened to it, go do yourself a favor. Just yes. type in Brene Brown, get a uh, vulnerability TED Talk. Probably you'll find yeah. it. Yeah. It's probably got 40 million views or 100 million views by now. I think it's the most watched TED Talk. Yes. Yes. That one. That's the one that you need to watch. And yeah. I remember it's listening to that good. thing. Yes. Yeah. So good. And And I remember walking up to my pastor that week and saying, I don't know how to do that. I need you to hold me accountable to doing that. Yeah. And I remember going up to the person who I was responsible, who was responsible for me, uh, was meeting with me, my my mentor, my my intern. Yeah. And I said, you need to teach me how to do this. And that kind of changed the trajectory of what I thought was possible. Yeah. Tell, because some of our audience, they won't be as familiar with vulnerability um, because vulnerability can be seen as weakness or um, it can be, or it could be something that just women do. Um, (laughs) Like, so what, what does vulnerability mean to you? Or why do you think it was so impactful for you to hear that that day? Well, first, the reason why Ella was laughing is because I shot her a, a look because they said you said it was a bit feminine. I was like, oh, God, I just want to <laughs> if that's you, this is not my podcast, so I could kind of be you rough with people. <laughs> if that's you, if you think that vulnerability is about being feminine, I want to smack you across the face. And for those who are listening, I'm six foot two, 300 pound black man. OK, I will I will smack you across the face and I have no problem with doing that. Um 
but yeah, it, it, the question was why, why was it so impactful for me? Like hearing about vulnerability for the first time. It, it was because every man that I was um, attracted to in the sense of like, I saw something on their life that I wanted mm-hmm. was operating in some type of level of that. It was like a light bulb moment. It was like, that's what you want, son. Like, that's it. Like, it looks different on different people, but Mm -hmm. that's what you want. And it was like, oh, that's the missing piece that I didn't have. I had charisma. I had gifting. I had um, confidence, but I didn't know how to be weak. And and you know, we can go in deeper, but like with vulnerability, I'm not weak with everybody. Right. Well, I am weak with everybody, but everybody doesn't get the same level of weakness. Right. Yes. So what I am with my wife mm-hmm. is completely different than what I am with you. Mm-hmm. But you will get a measure of vulnerability because I've realized that that's now my strength. Yes. And wow. that took me about five years, but that's because I'm hard headed. Yeah. Yeah. Can you give us an example of what vulnerability vulnerability has looked like for you? And I love how you talk about different measures because even to me, putting out a podcast feels vulnerable. Very. Because like, it's me, it's me, and it's like my voice, and you might reject it. It's <laughs> you might not like it. Um, and then vulnerability is uh going on a date. Vulnerability yeah. is saying I love you first. Vulnerability oh is like Brene says, like if you've been divorced, going on that date after a divorce or, you know, when you go through a breakup or when you, if you have a miscarriage and someone asks you about the baby, these are vulnerable examples, but do you have any that feel personal that maybe maybe are more transparent (laughs) than vulnerable? (laughs) You know what? I mean, being a married man for three years, being vulnerable is asking for sex oh for sure you know being vulnerable is showing up to work every day yeah you know what what we do you know we do a lot of hard work and Mm -hmm. i can't just give you principle i have to give you my life Mm -hmm. um being vulnerable is moving to a new city i've i've done it three times in the last three years Mm -hmm. um it's it's trying to navigate a new environment. Vulnerability is is what's needed to do life well. But many men, because like you said, we were taught that it's weakness. Yeah. We we have to put on the mask that we're confident and we're able. Mm. And vulnerability doesn't mean that you're not confident and able. It means that you're honest. Yes. You're right. honest. And um I could be honest with, you know, seeing a, a a guy or a girl or a couple that's out in the city and being like, those people seem cool. We should hang out with them. And me walking up to them and saying, hey, what's your Instagram handle? I just want to be a friend. Mm-hmm. That's vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks different in so many different ways, yeah. but it is literally I mean, it's my life. It, well, I wouldn't say it's my life source, but it's 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 my strength. It's how I have to navigate. It's how I've chosen to navigate. It's, cho- it's my it's my mode of operation now of how I work. 
yeah. um, on some level of vulnerability. So yeah. Yeah. And I think that honesty, vulnerability, and authenticity all go together. Yes. And, um, but it, it's interesting because you weren't introduced to this concept of vulnerability until about seven, eight years ago. Yeah. So what do you think you were operating in? Do you feel like you were self-protecting a lot of times? Like what, what happens when you don't have vulnerability? Like what, yeah. what, what kind of like, yeah, is it self-protection? What would you say? Uh, for me, it was self-protection because, mm-hmm. well, also I was an addict. So I was addicted to pornography. Yeah. But pretty much the whole time you knew me, I was addicted to porn. So um, I was introduced to pornography when I was 15 years old. Um, my first sexual experience in my neighborhood was with a boy mm-hmm. in my neighborhood. So I had this mask up of trying to hide that deep, dark secret. Everything kind of spanned off that that deep, dark secret that I did something that was homosexual. So therefore, I must be homosexual. Um, and then I do this other thing that that the church people in my that that are a part of my community would hate like i would be terrible all the women would look at me like i'm a like i'm a psychopath because i'm using this daily or whatever however whatever my cycle was at the time mm. so everything was about don't ever look at this part of me yeah oh. please don't ever look at this part of me mm. so um everything was a mask mm-hmm. you know you got to see a confident version of John that looked good. That was what you wanted to see. Mm-hmm. So it was all into this level of people pleasing. Yeah. Well, I can relate. Oh, that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot of church people too, you know, just yeah. in general. I'll, I'll speak for, for us, right? Mm-hmm. People of our ilk, um, yeah. us beautiful Christians. Uh-huh. You know, we 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 learn people pleasing out somehow, some way. I don't even know where we learn it, but we learn it, yeah. and we learn that that's the law of the land, and it's not true. And, and then it comes all this hiding, and, yes. And it's so interesting because I Christianity and spirituality is supposed to be about healing, but then we have this performance thing that becomes about hiding, which is so heartbreaking to me. Oh my gosh! It's- and so. Yeah, it's terrible because it, it we can't heal when we hide. Yes, that's so and that's that's, that's so it. Cool. Like that's I think that's the thing that was so attractive about vulnerability, because it wasn't just that I it was attractive. Yeah, on the men and women I saw around me that I wanted to so desperately to be like, it yeah. also was the the pathway to healing. Yeah, because I knew I was jacked up. But also I knew that I was tra- that I was playing the role in doing the things that people liked. Mm-hmm. And I knew that that wasn't a lie. Like I, I got enough yeah. freedom where I started to realize, oh, that's actually really me. Like I'm actually becoming alive, but I still have this deep, dark secret. I yeah. still have this deep, dark pain. I still have this deep, dark thing that I can never let anybody know about. Mm. So those two things weren't lies in my world. Yeah. But I realized, oh, the vulnerability is the way I can stop hiding. And once I stop hiding, I can get free. Yes. It was it was like the freaking light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And it's beautiful because I love that you're, you know, you're drawn or you look at these men 
who you think embodies something that you want to embody and you're seeing it's, oh, they actually live shame-free. Well, I don't know how much we can live shame-free, but like (laughs) fully, but like it's, they're living in a way where there's humility of like an openness of like um, true salvation, really like, oh, I, I am really connected to my humanity And I'm not ashamed of it. And I'm, you know, living, um, I'm not over identifying with decisions I made as a little kid who was probably just curious or in pain. Like, it's like we over identify with mistakes that we make in our childhood. Right. (laughs) And, um, rather than being like, oh my gosh, that kid just didn't know any better or was in so much pain. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also the, that was true, Ella, but also the part that was also attractive with that they didn't identify so much with their success. Yeah. Wow. That's a good point. And and with men, we're, we're driven. We're, we're naturally bent to prevent for, for, for provision, promotion, um, it's just how we're wired. And I, you know, if you, if you're not bent like that, I don't I like, maybe there's something that you might need to talk to your therapist or your, or to your, or to your coach about like truly has a man. Cause it's just kind of how we've innately been wired. Yeah. So I would see men that have achieved things that I wanted. That yeah. was it. That was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. They're doing that. They're a husband or they have a level of success or they have a title that I want or they're married, whatever it was. I was like, I like that. But they didn't identify only as the man of God. Right. Or they didn't only identify as a partner. They only didn't identify as a, as a successful businessman. They recognized that that was a gift as well. So they were able to cut off the ends and kind of live in these two, in this world where it's like, um, I, I kind of get what I'm doing, but I kind of don't get what I'm doing. And I've made a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. and here's a lot of successes, but the successes are kind of a gift and the failures are, I, I wasn't, he, they didn't blame themselves for the failure. So it was this really, really unique space that a lot of these men, healthy men that we were, that we were walking with in that year, was like, I was just like, wow, this yeah. is incredible. Mm-hmm. And that drew me. And now I think that's kind of the model I chase a lot of times just personally. Yeah. That's beautiful. It sounds like you had two ingredients in your journey and in your process, you had testimony. You could see to believe, wow, that person embodies something that I want. And then the other thing is you had safety. You probably felt more safe in that environment because we were all having the same conversations we were all talking about our crap and like there was say you are coming out from an environment that probably, I don't know, but maybe didn't feel safe. Oh yeah. That's it. You, you describing my environment. Yeah. It didn't feel safe. (laughs) No. Yeah. And then you were brought into a space where you could feel safe, which, which it's one of those things with vulnerability. You can't force people into it because and you you can't shame people into it no. either. 
because it's like a, oh, I naturally want to see hope on someone else that I can see to believe, but I also want to feel safe that if I share something scary, I'm actually going to be met with love and kindness yeah. and understanding rather than, a, oh, you did what? <laughs> like, <laughs> which is a lot of church people. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, yeah, that's so real. Like, I, you know, had, being a man who's now not only walking out freedom, but also leading people in freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our jobs and our roles as, as leaders is so unique because it's, I need you to see my process yeah. while I'm in my process, mm-hmm. but also let you know that there's a way out. Like, I, like I, it's almost like the picture I have in my head. I'm the guy who's at the edge of the forest with with the with the torch in his hand, saying, "Hey, come on, come follow me." Like you have to get out of your shack that mm-hmm. you think is a mansion, and trust that I have enough courage to lead you through the path through the forest. Wow, yeah. And it's like it's a it's a really really unique place to do that as a man because we're meant to be strong. Well, we're not meant to be strong. Society has told us that we're supposed to be strong. Mm-hmm. But when I when I when you look in my eyes and you see that, hey, I'm shaky too. This is requiring something from me too. Mm-hmm. I found that most men look at that and they and they and they resonate with that. Mm-hmm. And they say, Oh, I could be scared and do this. Yeah. Courage doesn't have to look like I'm the biggest, baddest BA in the world. Mm-hmm. Courage can look like I'm scared too. Yeah. Let's go do it. Let's go. And and that's the world that we have to really live in with men. Because yeah. we we are, we you know, um, I think the perfect imagery of, of masculinity is a lion and a lamb. It's just Jesus. Mm. And you know, I think about how I have to live in that life. I it, when I lay down in my bed with my wife, I am a I am a lamb. Mm. I'm tender, I'm soft, I'm pliable. But if somebody breaks through that door, I am instantly a lion and I'll rip their head off to protect my family. Mm. And I'll do that for anybody. You know, I I, I had that role at, at, our, at our church as a security officer for, for years. I was I would I would render somebody unconscious if I had to. Mm-hmm. And but if but if I stay in that role in my bed. Or with, or in the tender moment with my wife, I'm a savage. Yeah, and nobody wants that. Yeah. So we have to operate in these, in these dualities and these gradients of dualities to keep to to be complex men, mm. because that's what you're really looking for. I think you know the the conversation around masculinity is too black and white. It's too A or B or one or zero, and it's not that. If you were to ask what is masculinity, you 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 can't answer this. You have to answer complex. Yeah, nuance. because nuance, multidimensional, like uh, unlimited. Like that's where we need to stay. Because I think I think that's part of the issue around our society now is that they see a man with emotions, and now he's no longer a man, and that's mm-hmm. the feminist side of masculinity. No, 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 no. no. That's just a man with emotions. Mm-hmm. 
and they look at a man who who will rip somebody's head off like an MMA fighter or a boxer or a police officer or you know whatever whatever ultra masculinity uh, hunter whatever you know insert masculine thing there <laughs> mm-hmm. and they'll look at them and they'll be like oh that's what masculinity is and it's like no there's a spectrum here that we all operate in and because yeah. I have emotions doesn't mean I'm feminine it means yeah. that I'm complex yes yes yeah totally and I guess like this idea of um it's interesting like the thing that comes to mind when you were bringing up like the the fighter guy (laughs) it feels like someone who really doesn't know how to process pain I know this is kind of dipping out of masculinity but like to me that like aggressive like I don't know, no, with no emotions, it, it makes me go, are you like, is anything on inside? Like, or how do you, how do you process nothing? I shouldn't judge. I feel bad, but like, it's okay. <laughs> but it's like, what, what, like, yeah, I guess the question is like, how, how do you feel like men are modeled to process pain? We aren't. I mean, women, both men <laughs> are not taught how to, process pain I feel like they, they kind of you know both can be the same like you know right. I don't think women process it one way and men process no. it differently it probably is similar but like how were you taught how to process pain I wasn't you know yeah and I mean I had, I had a great mom and dad like they they never berated me for having emotions I think it's the gift because yeah. I could I can now weep with anybody like you know this is kind of my gift but like you know, I was listening to this uh, podcast, another podcast with this NFL player, and he has a daughter and he has a son. And he's like, he's like, the way I raise my son is completely different than the ways I raise my daughter. If my boy starts crying, I say, suck it up. Mm. And if my daughter cries, I, I pat her on the back and I rub her, her back mm. until she's done with it. In, in in traditional masculinity or in the masculinity of the last 50 years, mm-hmm. we've been taught that crying yeah. is weakness. Emotions are weakness. Don't ever cry. Don't cry in front of her. Don't cry in front of him. Don't be weak. Mm. And and that that lie sticks with you because that's that was your first experience, or that was the that was the most predominant experience in your world. And I mean, like I said, I didn't have parents who told me that. Yeah. But still, culture taught me that. Mm-hmm. And I was still like every time I went publicly, like I always felt so much shame about it. Mm-hmm. I remember my brother, he got this award at this uh, convention because he was he was doing some service in the community. And I just cried. He they like passed the award. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was sitting at a different table and I just wept and I just felt so much shame. I'm crying. I'm like, what's wrong with me? It's like there's nothing wrong with you. Your brother, who you love so dearly, you've seen yeah. him sacrifice so much, got yeah. awarded publicly in front of a crowd of a thousand people. If you have no emotion about that, there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. So we get taught and we get programmed at this idea that we don't show emotions. And it's just BS. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really frustrating. But back to what you were saying about yeah. the man, the fighter who only, who yeah. doesn't show any emotions. The thing with him is that he doesn't know that he can. Yeah. So when he sees another man who can be strong, Mm. he resonates instantly. 
but it takes an army of men like what I'm talking about who can look at the who can stand at the edge of the forest with fear in their eyes mm. and with a torch in their hand and say hey like bro you can come mm. that's the moment that I think I was connecting with, with Brene Brown yeah. and with the other men in that room and being like oh yeah I I, I don't have to be a savage only yeah. The, that moment so is so transformational because we just, nobody allows us. And I mean, I'm not trying to play the victim. Well, yeah. um, you know, men, men have privilege in this world. Let's be honest. Let's be truthful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not trying to make this be like, oh, masculinity is so hard. No, but we just don't get taught that message. And to yeah. any man that's hearing this message, I just want to say, bro, you can. Mm-hmm. You can be a lion in the land. And mm. the fact that you're a lamb doesn't make you less of a liar. Yeah, that's so good. I've never heard anyone, I've heard lots on masculinity, but never heard anyone say that. It's so cool. Um, I love that. So tell me about, like, you've become a life coach. You've done Justin Abbey's um, masterclass. So you've trained under them. Yeah. And but shout then, out to Justin and Abby. Love you guys. Out, and, you, and you can hear Justin stumble on my episode three of season one friends come on come on come on um but you have like done all this work on yourself and what tell us about like your transformation just going to therapy yourself and and going on that journey love to know well i like many men (laughs) um was pulled to therapy by my beautiful wife (laughs) I love her already. Oh yeah, she she yeah, totally <laughs> totally she um she started to go to therapy, um and it was, was right at the tip top of the pandemic. Okay. Yeah. And she started. She went to a life coach originally, um, and then she decided that it was a little bit deeper, and she felt like she needed to go to a, to a therapist. Yeah. Well, a counselor, she would call it counseling. And then we realized later that that lady was a therapist. So those are those are three different roles, by the way, people. So you should definitely um, look into that a therapist, like life coach and a, and a, and a counselor mm-hmm. and um, three distinct roles and three distinct gifts. And we started going, she started going to her and she would just come home and just like be just like, I don't know. Like it was, it was like hard, but good. Like, you know, you know how like, Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Anybody who's gone to therapy. You know what you mean? It's like, yes. Like, sometimes you're like, I don't want to go today. (laughs) But you're like, it's going to be good. (laughs) It's going to be good, you know? Uh, And and our therapist, she was super gifted um, at popping our denial bubbles. So, hang on a second. Yes. Hold the phone. Say that again. She was super good at popping our denial button. Yes, our denial bubbles. I call them denial bubbles. You know, it's these, um, it's the stories that we tell ourselves to keep ourselves safe. Yes. And and those were great in the moment because sometimes you need it, you know? Yeah, let let hit poops hit the fan. You need to tell yourself a story to survive, friend. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead and tell that you tell yourself that story. But when that story happened and now you build a whole construct around that, that's the bubble. Yes. And that lady who was our therapist, she would just walk up and just pop those things with no mercy in her heart. 
and then start working on the lie that was getting protected by that bubble so she was savage she was amazing wow. yeah um so my wife would just come home and just like she i remember the first time she went she didn't even talk to me for like 30 minutes after coming home i was like hey babe how was it and she was like i'll talk to you later and i was like okay and this was like maybe three months into marriage so i was like did i do something wrong what happened <laughs> i just was so scared yeah. <laughs> so she went and she uh she asked her our therapist she was like hey like would do you have any availability for john my husband and later i think i maybe a month later i started and in the in that month time frame george floyd got killed yes and oh my god and has a dark-skinned large black man um i resonated with george floyd so much and being like oh that could easily be me yeah it's so scary and yeah 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 seriously you uh, Where yes you i was oh yeah yes yes um and for those who don't know reading is a city that's probably yeah 95 percent white one percent black so the other four percent is something you know like you know um so yeah it's just it's very very yeah it just it just hit me hard and obviously we have went through um the other killings that have happened you know from you know what 2015 when like ferguson happened 2014 2015 until george floyd i think george floyd was definitely a crescendo moment in what we looked at at that situation of a racial tension and racial racial reconciliation racial tension in our nation mm -hmm. and i remember that first meeting with with that what lady she just like she just was so compassionate with me she wow. like she knew but she didn't know and she was a white lady yeah. um but she just was like oh yeah yeah like you're okay here and i was just like whoa i, I hadn't felt that in a while so that's kind of started on my journey and then she started popping my denial bubbles and then started hating her and loving her at the same time and then uh wow. me and my wife would get triggered and then she started talking to us about triggers and then wow. so it's just it just snowballed and yeah. you know um I'll, I'll use a sports analogy many people love the game of golf because there's no um you can never perfect golf Mm. And I would say mental, mental and emotional health is the same way. Mm, you can't perf you can't master your your emotional world. Yeah. You can have mastery and control yourself and manage yourself well, but you will never master your emotions. Yeah, triggers are still triggers. Yeah, I don't care how much you've worked on it, you'll mm. still get triggered to that little boy because that thing that thing is so deep. Yes, you can you can experience a measure of healing, but you it's still on hurt. Still yes. on be like, ow, there's a wound there, there's a scar there. It's scabbed yeah. over. I've tattooed over it. I've done a bunch of different things, but it still hurts. So, yeah, that's that's been our journey, and that's probably been like the last three years, three and a half years. Currently, I'm on kind of a break from therapy. Yeah, um, we which I breaks. Yes, yes, gotta, we really do. Just, well, that to me, that's like connected because in therapy you get to the crux of why you don't feel worthy worthy of a good life worthy of all the things a good 
beautiful, abundant life, like worthiness is connected to your relationships, it's connected to your jobs, it's connected to money, it's connected to so much. And so what therapy does, it actually helps restore and reclaim your sense of self-worth. Um, but then part of like, once you've been deep diving for a while, you actually need to feel worthy in process. Like, because a lot of how we're wired is when we are healthy, when we're like perfect, we will get what we want. And part of taking a break from therapy is believing you're worthy while like just existing and enjoying life. So I love that you're yes. taking a break. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I feel I feel like I'm I'm getting very close. I'll probably say this summer, I'll probably jump back in. Yeah. And and really go for it. Also, you know, that's the thing about living in Reading. There's so many great therapists that just that aren't just like clinical therapists but also know like the spirit world yes that's so true. that that's such a gift and here in texas i have found that to be a lot harder yeah uh, i had a therapist who was a who was a he was a minister and he just he he no it wasn't yeah. it wasn't connecting the same it was good i mean he was great i saw him for months but i was kind of like Ugh. Well, and I can, you can feel, I know I've gone into different sessions. I can feel how much authority they're walking in, how much vulnerability have had, they had to walk in, you know, and mm. people who come to you or come to me, they're like, it's, sometimes it's more like they're feeling my breakthrough mm. or they may be telling me the most hopeless situation. And because I've overcome so much hopelessness, I can actually go, oh, this is going to be fine. You're yeah. going to be fine. And just even that instills some sort of confidence, you know? Oh, my gosh. So much. So, so much. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, this is it's necessary. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, if any good therapists are listening, please get in touch with me. I would love to. Yeah. Get reach out. <laughs> reach out, please. I need you. I need you yeah. in my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. I'm curious to know because um, I know that in your therapy journey, you've done inner child healing oh, yeah. um, and same with me. It's been like getting back to my original design. <laughs> like yes. what was the original intent for Ella? What's the original intent for John? And um, and working through the pain and shame and programming that shapes me into feeling stuck in the present day. So um, how have you connected to that? Cause like, it's so interesting as a guy. Yeah. How have you connected to that thought? Of oh my gosh. Child? Honestly, it's, it's probably the part I've seen the most breakthrough with mm. in my journey. Um, actually the amazing, beautiful, incredible Justin Stumball. Yes. Helped me originally break open this concept and then my therapist reinforced it in her way. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I, like y'all, it's it, it okay. First, I just I'm so excited about this. Um mm -hmm. slow down, John. Okay. So inner child work mm -hmm. is magic. Magic, isn't it? Magic. Like I, I just want to say that and, and not in a weird witchcrafty way, but it's it's literally yeah. it's spooky. Yeah. It's spooky how powerful it is, how ridiculous it is, 
how amazing it is. And I say ridiculous in the sense that like how much can happen in a moment in a session if you do some some reparenting work, some inner child work really well. Um, but basically what happens if uh, like from a scientific perspective, your brain cannot determine the difference between a memory and imagination that's superimposed over a memory. Yes. Which is really, really trippy. And that's science. You saw like y'all, like you want to talk about like uh, science and religion don't work. Let me tell you, they work together. They're friends. You should become friends with them. (laughs) (laughs) But, (laughs) but scientifically you can't, your brain can't figure it out. So what happens is you you go into either a moment, either a moment in time or a um, specific memory or a stage of life. Mm-hmm. And literally, I just did this with a student the other day, yesterday. Yeah. Um, and you go back into that moment, either, you know, it's eight-year-old John, it's seven-year-old John, it's 15-year-old John, it's 25-year-old John, it's yesterday John. Mm-hmm. And you show up to that version of yourself yeah with the adult current version of yourself and in those moments you love that little version of yourself and you walk out different and that's why i say it's spooky because it's weird because it's like how does that work yeah um and there's science to it but i'm not that educated to to understand the science of it but i i got fruit Mm-hmm. I got fruit. My life is fruit of this of this thing. And my my what I do with students every day and what I do in coaching sessions is fruit that yeah. people walk away different. But love is the most powerful thing in the universe. Yes. And generally what happens inside of traumatic experiences is that we didn't get the love that we needed. Mm. So from a from a theological perspective and from a scientific perspective, it makes total sense that you would go back and you would love that little version of yourself. And you would give that person, you know, the affirmation, the support, the compassion, the actual love that they needed. And they will and you would be resulted in in 20 years later, 30 years later, in, in back into reality as a more comprehensive, more mature, more healed version of yourself. Yeah. The person I literally Ella, I did this yesterday with a guy. Mm. And he and this is a man. This is a man's man, high school athlete. um father husband um going through our tech school yeah freaked out in a trigger he's bouncing up and down like he's literally physically rocking when i got on the call with him Mm -hmm. and i'm sitting there and i'm like okay this dude's so dysregulated like it's crazy and i'm sitting there like bro you i need to figure i need to i need to get you regulated so i can get you to the next space and i the regulation wasn't working. I tried some box breathing, didn't work. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's do something else. And then I decided to go into this stuff. And literally Ella, he's sitting like steel as a nail now. And in the middle of the session of the, of the, the reparenting part, he's like, I'm curious. I'm like, is little version of you curious or is adult version of you curious? He's like, little version of me is good. Adult version of me is very curious. I was like, oh, Okay, I'm like, that curiosity is towards me. So I just kept going. I kept pushing in. And then at the end of it, he's like, he's just sitting there. And I'm like, yeah, what's up? What's going on? He's like, that's weird. I'm like, yes, bro. It's very, very weird. It is weird. 
Yeah. It's, it is weird. So, so um, yeah, I haven't talked to him today. I know he, he slacked me earlier, so I would yeah. love to hear what happened. But, yeah. man, it's it. Yeah. Uh, only word I could use is spooky. But I love how you say that it is it is quite miraculous, like mm-hmm. the feeling. So because I think we at the end of the day, that thing that you were drawn to in other people is wholeness, like wholeness. And it's like when you're stuck in addiction and pleasure seeking, you think that that, like, because you're kind of addicted to that thing, you don't think that there could be something, a better feeling, right? So how would you describe the difference between wholeness and that like fleeting pleasure feel it pleasure seeking kind of life oh my gosh i mean y'all it's scary yeah it's scary to me now mm-hmm. i i am i am walking in a ridiculous level of freedom and i still i'm i'm scared all the time yeah because like, we're fragile as humans as well like yes it's, yes it's, it's not like I think that that's the lie is that all of a sudden you're not going to be tempted. No. And, oh, my God. Yes. Whoever whoever fed us that lie needs to be. I don't know. Beat up. I don't know. Like, that's such a lie. <laughs> like, that wholeness and, and freedom doesn't mean temptation. Oh, my God. That person needs to get beat up. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's I think the hard part about my journey and freedom especially when it comes to like sexual purity is that you know sadly pornography works mm-hmm. works in what way it it meets a need mm-hmm. it's a very very niche nuance uh nuance niche need that it meets but it meets it mm-hmm. asking for help Feeling, being afraid of getting disappointed. Yeah. That is so scary when you're in the point of need. Yeah. And, and to ask a person to be courageous at that point, it's, it's just so hard. It's just so hard. So, you know, I have no, I I have no anger, no upsetness at a person who relapses yeah journey because i get it like it to to ask for a prayer when you've been tempted for five hours the whole day and you you didn't know how to look at girls at class Mm -hmm. yeah 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 you you for you to reach out you're you're a hero you know and for you to get your is is a hero yes and yeah it doesn't mean you're bad like this is the thing like doesn't mean you're bad because you're messing up or you're tempted, it probably means that there's pain there that needs more compassion and more love. Like, and the thing is, <laughs> I wish, I wish that people could see you right now. You're just like pointing at me. <laughs> I'm like, golly. Yeah, but like, I think the thing is, I don't know, the lie that you are bad because you messed up. Life is painful. Like painful. we have we have things that happen to us in life and we don't know how to regulate or process through the stuff that happens to us. So I just want everyone listening to know like there's a way through this, but Absolutely. it is like you said, like a real commitment to honesty. 
like you said, honesty. And I think like the only way through is being an outrageous, courageous truth teller. Oh my gosh. And, 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 you know, a lot of times, especially for guys who are coming out of like pornography addiction, you go to your accountability as partner is a person that you have the utmost respect for. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my accountability partner, you probably know him, uh, was Jose Palos, who's oh, yeah. an amazing man, mm -hmm. father, poet, yes. pastor, and like to text him and tell him I messed up was scary. Yeah. Also, he's six foot two and buff and now is a, a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. who can beat me up, literally. <laughs> I'm scared of that guy. Like, I don't want to disappoint that guy. Mm. And 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 another guy um, that was that is still is an accountability partner. And these are guys are not formerly accountability partners. They still are accountability partners. Matt Pratton, guy who's no, a, I need to get him on my. Podcast. Oh my gosh! Yes, yes, he's incredible. He's also yeah. a guy who's around Abby and Justin's world. He's now in Australia, but yes. I mean, he's a CrossFit guy, one of the utmost upstanding humans you'll ever meet in your life yeah literally like righteousness personified really and like to tell him hey bro um i watched pornography and masturbate last night you feel like a piece of poop on the ground <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> or even to tell him or even to tell him hey um so i've been walking around at church for for the last two days like staring at every girl's butt i'm in some type of trigger i don't know what's happening yeah that like that takes like courage like you said radical honesty mm -hmm. and and you feel like you're terrible but then because you picked the right accountability partners they scrape you up off the floor and they say bro i've been there before yeah and remind you who they are who you are right tell they me tell about me, that yeah hey like you're yeah. like bro something's just going on inside of you let me help you figure out what that is you're not that guy yeah. You're not some, you're not a pervert. You're not some, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not. Yeah. Let me remind you, yeah. you know, or, or they'll give you great context. I remember, um, I don't know, this may be vulnerable, whatever. It's my life. I, I, I talk about my life publicly often, yeah. probably a little bit too often. My wife sometimes looks at me <laughs> after class and she's like, you really told them that? Like, I'm sorry. I have <laughs> moments like that too, where I'm like with my class, I'm like, I just told you a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But oh self-compassion to move on. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. But um, so I I by the grace of God was a virgin when I got married. And um, like I told you guys, I was addicted to pornography for 17 years. Mm -hmm. So you know, different stages of that the whole time, obviously. But um when I got married, I had porn images flying through my head while I am trying to have sex with my wife and uh, trying and not trying. Right. OK, so like being successful and not being successful. That's a whole nother thing inside of masculinity. Brothers, we can talk about that later. Maybe that's a different podcast, um, <laughs> but I'm having all this stuff fly through my head. And I remember seeing, uh, I went on my honeymoon, came back. I hit up Matt Pratton, mm -hmm. went to his house. He made me a coffee. He was like, how's marriage going? I'm like, that's great, bro. And he's like, how's sex going? I was like, you know what, bro? Every single time I have sex with my wife, 
porn images are flying through my head. And this man, he gave me the best advice ever in his Australian accent. Yeah. It's, it's early days, bro. It's early days. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> I've been married yeah. for, for a month and a half. Of course, I don't know how to have sex without thinking about how I've been having sex. Right, right. Quest, uh, quotation marks in the, I mean, our, uh, what is parentheses? Uh, what is this? What is this? Help me, Ella. No, I know. No. This is a terrible we're college professors. And we don't know what this is. I don't. He's just like those listening. He's just like got his like bunny fingers. Air quotes. Air quotes. Yes. Lord, help us. Yeah. Um, but you know how I've had sex before in my past has been all porn. Right. So duh, that's the thing that's triggering inside of my brain, which mm-hmm. isn't bad. It's just the memory of last time you saw somebody do this, this was happening. Yeah. Now you're doing something different. And now three years later, I don't think about that. Does it try to pop into my brain? Yes. But does it stay? No. Well, it, well, I think that's like in any, like even in early relationship, like, or whatever, whenever you're new in something, your brain goes to, this is going to be the rest of my life extremes and you feel like the worst or you feel like it's always like when we're triggered it's like absolutes like I'm never going to be able to be okay (laughs) I don't know so I love that (laughs) Matt talk Matt talked you down in his Aussie chilled out way oh my god I thank God for that man well he's the one that told me I was a six wing seven on the Enneagram oh really yes he he's a six he's we're the same Yes. We had this whole conversation. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yes. Anyway, he's a six wing seven. And yeah. You're a six wing seven. Yeah. I don't know the seven part of you. Maybe so eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we haven't like hung out. That's true. Probably since Crystals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably, probably like four years Did ago before I got married. More. Yeah. And you probably see me more in work mode. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That. Yeah. And on Zoom, I don't think you can be a seven on Zoom no. in a professional environment. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And all yeah. the people who don't know the Enneagram, it's wonderful. It'll change your life. Yes. Um, some people don't like it, but anyway. that's a whole nother podcast. That's another podcast. I'm just going to be on again. But I'm down. Like, back to like, thank you for sharing that story because, and like, I, really like your honesty and sharing that story means so much to me because I talk to clients all the time and they feel so ashamed. Like I'm sure that there's probably a good group of people listening that are like, I've thought the same thing. Finally, (laughs) like someone else said it. (laughs) Like, that's so I love your, like honesty and bravery in sharing that because what you did was liberate other people of like I feel less crazy just because John said that so I yeah. hearing that and that's why you know what the why the the podcast is called the next brave thing because it's about being honest it takes a lot of bravery to be honest yeah so much bravery 
So I guess kind of in closing, I'm just going to have to have you back on the podcast. Maybe I'll get you and Matt on. That'd be so fun. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know if you'll be able to even speak, you know? I know. Just like, it'll be like me watching tennis pretty yes. much. Yes. 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 <laughs> um, but that would be fun. But I would love you to kind of just share what you think bravery is. Because I think there's like the Braveheart movie version of bravery, which yes. that is very brave, like yeah. to go to war and protect and all those things. But tell me what you think bravery is. Yeah, I mean, I think bravery is is has been on display this whole podcast, right? You yes. know, of us revealing parts of our story, parts of our journey for purpose, you know, because bravery should bravery will good bravery should have purpose attached to it yes so in bravery is doing something that's outside of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. for a purpose and and if you are trapped in cycles of dysfunction or in cycles of hiding or cycles of shame whatever it is bravery for you is to try to look down like i said earlier for you to look on the edge of the forest and try to find a person who has a who has a a a torch in the hand to say i could follow them yeah it it doesn't have to be john it doesn't have to be ella but it's somebody Mm -hmm. it's somebody and I, i i just courage for you might be following the guy who's a porn um a uh, getting people free from porn expert on Instagram when you live at a very religious yeah church you know that might be brave mm-hmm. or it could be you going to therapy or it could be you not looking at porn before you have sex with your wife or mm-hmm. it could be you trying not to have sex with your girlfriend before you um before you get married or it could be you going to the ring shop to go step into that whatever it is i just encourage all men all women everywhere to to be courageous to step in to not live in the comfort that's so trapping Mm -hmm. comfort is beautiful but it's not a great friend no it's not a great friend it's not a great friend it's not a person that you want to live with every day Mm -hmm. you want to come and visit that person for coffee every other sunday at the coffee shop you don't want to stay with that person every day because yeah. you'll you'll end up in a very rough state. But I just encourage everybody out there to to be courageous, to be bold, to to not to not let comfort be the 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 modality that you live by. Mm, that's so good. Wow. And to those also listening, like sometimes it takes time for you to feel brave to share with someone. Go and listen, go find podcasts of people sharing their stories like this one. Um, you can also reach out to John for coaching. Um, because Hit me up. yeah, like this, it it you you need to create safety for you be to be able to feel brave to do that because safety creates transformation. So that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, this has been fun. Thanks for sending that invite. I was so honored and so loved by you extending an invite. And oh, I appreciate cool. you, Ella. And I've always respected you. And this is, I'm so proud of you for stepping out and doing this and doing the next brave thing with this podcast. It's beautiful. Thanks, friend. I appreciate it. Well, 
It's so fun. Have to have you back and we'll finish up today. Awesome. Thanks for listening today. Please download, share with your friends and write a review. If you would like to book in a life coaching session with me, go to my website at www.ella-hooper.com or follow me on Instagram at Next Brave Thing Podcast.